This is the Roaring Elephant Podcast. And luckily for our listeners today, it's not just Dave and me. We have our guest back, as promised last week. We have André de Waal back from the OpenDS for All project. who talk to us more about artificial intelligence, data science, and all that good stuff. Indeed. Let's find out uh, just how easy it is to get involved in all this stuff. Um, when you talk about sort of organizations looking at OpenDS for All, um, you know, who who do you think are, um, you know, good potential, you know, clients or consumers? I'm not quite sure what, what the terminology is you use, but like who who do you think, apart from, you know, obviously, you know, if you're a large scale educational organization mm -hmm. looking to launch a data science program, this is clearly in the wheelhouse. But are there other sort of areas where you think that this uh, this content uh, could be utilized in the wider space. Yeah, so uh, think of a let's say a small smallish company, and maybe they have a couple of database uh, people and data engineers, and uh, maybe they stagnating in their positions, and they would kind of move on and experience what data science is all about. So it, they would like to upskill their personnel mm -hmm. uh, and give them better job opportunities and prospects for career growth and so on. So I think this would be a perfect fit for that if somebody that knows uh, databases and Oracle and uh, maybe Hadoop and so on, and that person wants to kind of uh, out into uh, this hot, sexiest job of the 21st century data science. This is a, a great set of resources, 15 modules that's available that covers the core of data science with a bit of Python programming that might be new. And I think these uh, employees uh, have enough experience in the IT industry that they should be able to pick this up without too much trouble. So there, I, I see this as making a contribution, uh, upskilling, upskilling current personnel in organizations that wants to um, do something different or make a change in their careers. A quick question there, if I may. The mm. curriculum, how is it being structured? Is it like uh, if you start, you have to go through the whole thing, or is it modular and you can kind of step in? I, I know the Python, so I don't have to do that. I can start here. Is it modular like that? Uh, yes. So uh, most of the modules are was developed to be independent of each other. Okay. So you can select what you are interested in. Maybe you know the data wrangling part, but you're new to machine learning. So you can take the machine learning and then maybe throw a sprinkle of ethics into it, as you've heard of all these data breaches and face recognition algorithms that doesn't good, do a good job and it's biased and so on. So we definitely developed with that aim. Obviously, there's a, there's a certain flow to okay. events. Yeah. If you think of the data science flow, you're not going to start with model e evaluation and then do the introduction <laughs> after that. So there's a natural flow flow, but uh, I don't think any of the modules depend on any other module. So you can develop like a weekend boot camp, a one day, a two day boot camp based on the content to give people an overview. You can go light on the programming or heavy on the programming as you wish. So there are many ways to uh, kind of get to the final goal that you want to achieve. Uh, you mentioned a weekend. So basically, is there an idea that a module is this amount of time and the beginning to end, that's how long? Um, yeah, so so the models were developed to be um, uh, conforming with the university practice of 15 minutes 
but lessen. So some of the modules are a little bit more difficult of intermediate difficulty level, like the machine learning. You might need two or three 50 minute periods to go through that, but each of the modules, there are 15 modules, at least a 50 minute uh, time period to cover the content, some of them more, and then also the practical side, maybe an hour or two for each of these Jupyter notebooks. So if you add that all together, you easily get to 30, 40 hours of very good content. And then if you add some content by yourself, maybe introduction to Python, maybe introduction to um, statistics or inferential statistics or review something uh, like that, then you could really uh, easily fill up a whole semester uh, with the content. Yeah, for the company, they could do I don't know, one day a week and have like five, six weeks. And that's exactly that's plannable. That's not something like it's going to take forever. No, it's something you can yes. actually make very actionable, yeah. very, yeah. Nice. Yeah, and, and there's a there's a core. We, we said there's a, a kind of it covers the core of data science, but inside that, you can still select a smaller subset, hmm. uh, maybe an overview, data wrangling, um, unsupervised, supervised machine learning, and maybe ethics or something could be a nice short kind of uh, express course in in data science to give people a flavor of what data science is all about. Yeah, I do. I do love the fact that uh, there is an ethics module in there, because like it's it's all too easy to get wrapped up in the the technology. But there's a lot of complex um, thought and discussion, and and you know a lot of things that haven't yet been figured out in terms of you know what what laws will look like and and how on earth you know some of this will play out ethically. And uh, it's, uh, I think this is a really important piece. It's all very well, you know, grokking the, uh, the, the, the bits and bytes of, of data science, but there's a lot more to it than that. I agree totally. So also um, the way we've done the ethics module, um, it's actually wrong in the way we've done it. We have an ethics module that's usually covered at the end, and that's how a lot of universities does this. But mm. um, ethics should be an integral part of all the steps, everything you do in data science. So it could probably be the first lecture or the second lecture in the series so that students are aware that there are bias in algorithms, there's fairness mm. and things that needs to be taken into account. There are all these laws and things that you have to conform to and moving of data around between different countries and so on. So there's a lot of things around ethics and uh, we are hope to have more contributions on ethics in the next couple of months. They are like fairness, explainability and so on are issues that's kind of gaining a lot of attention currently uh, in this uh, area. So uh, we hope to include more content on that as well because um, data science without ethics is uh, is kind of dangerous, just like uh, artificial intelligence. <laughs> it's yeah. a child with a gun. <laughs> it's very dangerous I mean, in the wrong hands. The, you you sort of touched on uh, data science um, slash artificial intelligence. <laughs> like the a lot of people seem to uh, confuse the topics and would be maybe surprised not to see. Um, an artificial intelligence um, sort of module in in the uh, the current framework. What's the what's the sort of thoughts or, or plans around that? Yeah, that, that's a good question. Um, 
you could actually repeat what we've done for open DS for all and make it open AI for all and mm -hmm. do exactly the, the same exercise. Now, um, I think if you, and I just remember the, the, the circles users, they represent like um, machine learning as a subset of artificial intelligence and deep learning as a subset of machine learning. But data science is so broad. It's like an umbrella term these days. It mm. encompasses like everything. So basically under data science, you can throw in, if you name a topic, you can basically motivate why it should be part of, of data science. Uh, artificial intelligence um, has, I think, a slightly different uh, focus uh, on these um, simulating human behavior or, or like Elon Musk and these guys these days are doing building bots and uh, androids that uh, kind of help humans. So there's, a, there's a, a, a slight, although it's very closely related and many of the techniques uh, like machine learning and so on, you get in data science and artificial intelligence. Uh, we we saw the the opportunity in data science, and that's what we're trying to help. Although somebody that teaches artificial intelligence might be able to use some of the modules we have. And uh, Dave, to your point, maybe we should include a module on the relationship between data science and AI, <clears throat> and how these two interact uh, in the in the repository as well. Um, AI also gets easily confused with neural networks. And I've got a colleague yes. here that says that neural networks are like your last ditch effort. If you don't understand your data and you don't know what you're doing, throw it in a neural network and let the computer figure it out. <laughs> Basically, if you don't know basic data science and machine learning, just starting with artificial intelligence, typically mm -hmm. not the right way to go because you basically you put something in, you get something out, and you don't understand why it's happening. Yes, uh, and another point that's very important is that if you don't have the right data mm -hmm. and data on the right format, artificial intelligence is not going to uh, solve your issues and rescue you. So um, we've got a saying that um, artificial intelligence is nothing without your uh, data infrastructure. And uh, so if you don't have the right data and you don't have people that can manage the data, artificial intelligence is of no use to you. So, in terms of, um, you know, there, you mentioned things like, you know, there are plenty of other courses and, and things on, whether it's, uh, you know, Udemy or Coursera or whichever. Um, there's also, you know, other data science things like uh, Kaggle out there mm -hmm. that uh, often often get used for, you know, educational purposes. How, how do you sort of... I guess, how do you wrangle all of these different things? You mentioned that a lot of the content, you know, came through an initial set of content that was produced, but, you know, there's got to be, you've got to always be looking at, you know, what's happening, how is the, the topic and the content evolving? What's the, what's the sort of the ongoing story? Yeah, so, so always looking what um, other uh, universities and companies are doing. So for instance, you have University of Berkeley and they have Data8, which has been very well uh, received. You have MIT, they have some material they make available in data science and artificial intelligence and so on. So I think our niche is um, to really um, have this as an open education project where everybody can contribute and then very specific aim. The aim, the goal of this project is to accelerate the development of data science programs at academic institutions. 
So we are very focused in what we're trying to do. We're always looking out at what other people are doing and we are <clears throat> forming collaborations with other groups um, if possible. So for instance, um, in the Northeast of the US, there's something called the Northeast Big Data Hub. I don't know if you've heard of that. And that's an organization, uh, I think, uh, at the University of Columbia. And they have something called, called the uh, Northeast uh, Student Data Corps. And they're trying to uh, get data science into the underserved uh, communities uh, in the Northeast of the US. So we are working closely with them. And a subset of the modules in OpenDS for All has been uh, made the core um, of the content available uh, to this uh, group of uh, students with other contributions from other universities. So we're always trying to look at how we can collaborate and uh, work together and uh, maybe if a couple of groups uh, kind of join and merge and work together, then you can reach a larger audience and you can make a larger impact than when each one is kind of going it alone, uh, which sometimes uh, companies or universities want to do this because they have their brand name and their own interest in uh, doing this. But as I explained, we really want to serve the broader community in data science by making this uh, set of uh, resources available. Yeah, I mean, the, sort of focusing more on, on this, the fact that the, the space is always evolving, always moving, do you, do you envisage that, you know, you'll have just a continual rolling cycle or uh, of sort of updates as they come or do you expect that you'll have you know um something falling closer to the the academic cycle so you know every new academic year there would be a new push for sort of a new release of the open ds for all content which you know evolved the, the bits that had moved on and and that sort of thing yeah so that's um interesting idea um at this stage, our model is to incorporate content as it's uh, contributed or being developed, always mm -hmm. keeping an eye out on the hot topics like FX at this stage is super, super hot. Everybody is interested in that. So we're trying to get and solicit uh, contributions in that. Obviously, machine learning is developing fast as well with all the different machine learning paradigms and algorithms. So uh, trying to uh, kind of see what's happening in industry and academia and direct our attention to that groups uh, or that in that direction. We, we haven't really thought of syncing up with the uh, academic year at uh, universities. Obviously, in different parts of the world, the academic year also starts at different times of the year. Yeah. So I think it yeah. might be a mistake to say, OK, we're going to follow the US pattern or the UK pattern, uh, depending on where the academic year starts. Um, or Australia. Um, so these are all, all things we haven't uh, kind of thought too hard about. Uh, it's just at this stage is uh, building content and getting adoption and contribution and building the community. That's the biggest challenge is building the community because um, when we launched at the end of February last year, it was like the worst possible time uh, in the last couple of decades to launch. It was when the world shut down, basically because of the pandemic. Yeah. And most faculty, they said, I would love to contribute, but I'm just trying to survive and move my content online. And uh, that that's kind of a struggle still trying to recover from that. We all thought we were 
past the pandemic and now all the universities are going back with masks and so on hopefully we'll get that sorted and then this thing called academic freedom that academics value so highly they can spend a little bit of that time contributing to projects like OpenDS for all yeah i think community is going to be very important because uh, let's just assume there's going to be a huge success you get a lot of uh, collateral a lot of content happening that needs to be maintained because as dave said it's a very fast evolving subject matter today data science and artificial intelligence so you, do you already keep it in mind when you accept new contributions that the person or the organization contributing it is also kind of maybe not committing but at least having the intention of keeping it up to date because i mean a, a lot of open source projects kind of die because as a dump mentality mm -hmm. it's, especially for these kind of things that are very heavy on i mean videos are very hard to maintain trust me i know <laughs> exactly and especially in the, the era where we are in with different releases of software and python 3.9 coming coming out and if you have Python 3.6 code, it doesn't run anymore. So there are lots of issues. Um, but what we're also doing is we're branching out um, into different languages. So we'll hopefully in the not too distant future have the whole repository translated into Portuguese and Spanish and also German. And that would hopefully drive more adoption around the world. But as you realize, this creates other issues, a consistency between the different yep as languages and so on so that that's a huge effort so if you guys want to give up your day job and come and help <laughs> with that we'll be extremely pleased <laughs> yeah i can imagine that for things like ethics it's not just uh, go, throw it through google translate and you have a have a new document ethics that, has a very that's, that's a yeah that's a very valid point for instance um when you think about data science uh, many languages use the english term um, so you don't translate data science to data science in Portuguese. It stays like data science, maybe with a little bit of an accent or something like that. But where the, do you stop and where do you translate? That's not simple. So just throwing it through an automatic tool, um, somebody suggested we do this to get like a first pass and mm -hmm. then we correct. But uh, I don't know if it's worth uh, the effort doing that because you really need a domain expert and a subject matter yeah. expert. Mm -hmm. Because just think an example, you talk about a population. So is it a population of humans or population when you think about sample size yeah. and the hypothesis testing? And in many languages, there are different words uh, depending on what you're trying to refer to. So it, it's a complex environment to work in. And as you know, academics are very finicky they want things correct um so <laughs> if you kind of say oh we have this fantastic set of modules and you translated it but they open up the first set of slides and they see these badly translated <laughs> stuff they will not be impressed so there are many pitfalls to try and avoid yeah the chinese yeah. manual syndrome but it's a very easy thing to fix actually just make a new module you put it at the front of the course where the exercise is to create a natural language processing algorithm that does this perfectly. <laughs> Maybe one day we'll get there, but I don't think they well, let the students do it. Let the students, yeah, so, so um, that's a very good point. So students, if you go to these master's programs in analytics uh, in the US and around the world, these students are pretty clever. Uh, they are sometimes can give some of faculty uh, a run for their money. So mm -hmm. um, at the University of Columbia, um, 
the master's program, I think in advanced analytics, we've actually got some students that trans, uh, recorded videos for the Northeast Student Data Hub of some of the modules or parts of the modules, and they get uh, credits from the university for actually doing this. There are also other universities that actually teach open source as part of the curricula, mm -hmm. like um, Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute and Rochester uh, Institute of Technology. And we are actively working with these universities to see uh, if we can't get students to actually work on this project and contribute content. Obviously, a little bit of hand-holding and supervision is needed uh, because some of the students might not be that experienced, but mm -hmm. they are extremely keen. If they can get a badge for contribution, maybe they translate a Python uh, notebook into R, that would be perfect. And I'm happy to issue that student a badge for their effort. So, and uh, with a bit of supervision, you might make this work. So that's really, uh, a valid point reaching out to these universities and these master's programs in data science, advanced analytics, and getting them involved, the student clubs involved, and doing things in the project and so growing the community as well. So if, if an organization wants to, you know, build their curriculum based on the open DS for all material, what is there I get the feeling from the way that you describe it, there's kind of a, a minimum bar in terms of the amount of effort that they would have to go into to actually make that usable. But it, it almost feels like there's no upper limit, like you could use this as your initial foundation and where you go from this point is is entirely up to you. Is that is, is my kind of estimation of this right? Yes, I think you're perfectly right. So you can use um, a couple of modules, I think minimum five or six would give you a core introduction to data science, but then uh, you can use all the content and we have four modules, for instance, on um, distributed and parallel processing, going into graph theory and uh, the Google algorithm by Larry Page, so how to rank your search queries and using Apache Spark. So that's a little bit of a computer science-y flavor we have. And the reason for that is because it was developed uh, at UPenn at the Computer and Information Science Department. So for some universities, this might be uh, okay, not exactly what they want, but you can use all these content and then uh, exactly as you indicated, build on top of that, maybe reinforcement learning. We don't have a module on reinforcement learning. So you can add that and more modules on ethics and a couple of use cases. So you, you can take it and then develop a uh, online course like Coursera or edX based on this and actually run a company using uh, the content. So um, because of the, the way we run this, this is basically everything that is allowed. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, one of the things I thought was really interesting when I first heard about OpenDS for All was uh, it was kind of surprising to me because I and maybe this is just my own mental model showing, but when I think of um, academic organizations, I I think of them more as um, competitive than maybe collaborative in some ways. You know, they're, they're all competing for students. They're all competing for, oh, we've got the best, you know, data science program in, you know, your region of choice or whatever. So when I heard about this, I was really 
kind of interested to see, you know, how how this balances between the the competitive nature of academia and specifically academic like schools or organizations versus the sort of the desire to accelerate their programs and and sort of you know buy into being part of this standard yeah so i think you touch on a very valid point um, many universities are very protective of their content they say this content mm -hmm. kind of makes us unique and makes students come to our uh, classes and for our specific programs and there is obviously a lot of competition out there for a limited number of students that wants to go into these data science programs. So what, what we say to those universities is um, if you, for instance, want to contribute to this project, don't give the family jewels away. There are a lot of content that's kind of the core of data science that all universities teach and that you have to teach. Maybe you specialize in machine learning or environmental analytics or speech to text or natural language processing or programming in Python or the cloud or Apache Spark, whatever. And um, keep that content that makes you unique, but the content that's kind of generic for everybody that everybody needs to teach to get the students up to date and up to speed contribute that content and work on that level with us and then keep a couple of things um, that's kind of dear to you that make you special and uh, let you stand out keep that and build on that you don't have to contribute this to this open education project but you can still uh, be part of it and uh, help the greater community achieve something uh, better yeah no it's, it's really i get to uh... It, it sort of change, changes my mind a little bit in the way that uh, this this part of the world works. Uh, in in terms of the the modules and like how they're how they're built and how they're structured, um, obviously there's a, a GitHub link that uh, we'll we'll be sharing in in the show notes. But you know you've got things like instructor notes, you know the PowerPoint slides with presenter notes. Um, in many cases, Jupyter notebooks um, with the lecture material, you know, in context there, um, sample quizzes, sample homework assignments, and sort of any additional documentation, you know, for each module. Uh, I'm guessing, you know, one of the areas that uh, individual organizations specifically would, would want to put their time and effort in is things like the, that quiz material, the homework assignments. Um, because you know that that's the one thing that you don't really want your students just going oh well here's the answer to my homework it's on the github repo copy paste email right job done away we go yeah so so that's that's one of the challenges is with the internet um, if you have a quiz on a repo like this the answer will probably be out there somewhere mm. in a week or two so um, it's a real challenge we started doing quizzes and homework assignments, but then realized that keeping the answers hidden and then only, let's say, allowing faculty to see the answers and that opens up a whole new can of worms for us to um, manage this. So at this stage, uh, we give you the raw content, the Jupyter notebooks, the PowerPoint slide decks, the instructor notes, maybe some videos at this stage, but then you have to add something. So um, one of the vice presidents at IBM explained this 
the difference between OpenDS for All and maybe one of these online uh, courses, these MOOCs that you can take is, if you take a, a MOOC, one of these courses is like going to a fancy seafood restaurant and you pay your 100 bucks and after 30 minutes they bring you a nice platter with seafood all readily prepared and you enjoy the meal. OpenDS for All is more like going to the supermarket and uh, buying the raw ingredients and then putting it together, using a recipe, adding your own content, building something unique out of that, but still enjoying it at the end. So that's kind of, I think, a, a nice analogy of the difference between our approach and the approaches of these automated uh, courses that's available. Yeah, makes perfect sense, makes perfect sense. So I think when you were talking earlier, you hinted towards uh, some of this, but I'd really love to know, you know, what are your thoughts around what's next for OpenDS for All? You know, where where does the project go now? Um, you know, are there more modules to add? Or is there a whole new course structure? You know, a, a 201 level or, you know, what's, uh, what's up next? Yeah, so there are a couple of things that we are working on actively. So uh, first is the translation into different languages. So I think mm. that would drive a lot of adoption all over mm. the world. And uh, especially we focused heavily on South America, Portuguese and Spanish. And we've got some faculty there already in the process of translating some of the content uh, for us. So hopefully uh, we'll make that work uh, in the next uh, couple of months. So that's, that's one area that we're working uh, towards. Uh, the other one is uh, content, is getting more active uh, con contributors to the uh, re repo, especially in these growing hot areas of data science, as I indicated, machine learning, ethics. I think are the two areas we would be happy to receive more uh, contributions. And then uh, adoption, adoption. Uh, there, there are various hurdles at universities towards adoption. Um, one of the uh, hurdles is that if you know how a university works, um, there's a long planning process and accreditation process and so on. And it sometimes takes months or years for uh, to change a, a course and put a new program in place. So if a university already has a data science program, uh, they're not just going to throw it out next week and use OpenDS for all because they have all these boards and uh, things to go through to get it um, uh, accepted and also uh, some students have the uh, view or the mentality that um, when something is free it's worth nothing so they will not <laughs> pay a university uh, entrance fee to take a data science course and then the professor teaches uh, open education stuff because what did the professor or the university then actually contribute mm -hmm. so um, that, that's why we're really focusing on helping these new programs uh, get up and running. But also, if you have an established program, uh, using bits uh, of what we have to augment or uh, fill in the gaps in your current uh, program. So we have to have a very specific focus, I think, going head to head with the top research universities in data science. But what we have is, is not the right approach. Uh, there's a certain niche market that I think uh, the content that we developed would be a perfect fit. And in the US, uh, small liberal arts colleges that wants to get into uh, data science, historically black universities, and uh, then 
uh, all over the world, uh, countries that are not that uh, developed, that wants to get into data science, uh, these are obviously the right target institutions that we need to go after. And then also organizations, as we talked uh, about a couple of minutes ago, wanting to upskill their personnel, they might also benefit from the company. Yeah. yeah. So it's going to be interesting to look at this in another year or so to see where the gravity actually went to towards the purely at academic university education institutions or more towards the companies that are trying to upskill their, their people themselves. Because I can see both of them being equally well served by this uh, content and maybe the organizations a little bit more even because they can just go to OpenDS for all, take the collect, collect, take the content and use it as is. Because, exactly. Yeah. And it's free. It's at no cost. But exactly. also a, another hurdle for us is uh, we've heard through the grapevine that there are many universities using the content, but we just don't know about it. Mm. And many professors looking at it and using the content. So we try and keep track and encourage faculty if um, you use the content, please let us know. We've even got a little adopters file in the repo with universities uh, that we worked with and did boot camps at, uh, so that we try and keep records. So people that want to use the content can see that, okay, these are quality universities that use the contents. We shouldn't be afraid of using it. And that maybe remove some um, hurdles for these uh, faculty and uh, universities and companies as well. When they see who is using it, it's validated content and uh, so on. And so, but it's it's an interesting space uh, to work in this open education framework, uh, trying to get individuals to contribute. So even though I work for IBM, uh, my contribution to OpenDS for All is as an individual. And that's the open source software ethos is you contribute as an individual to the project. You don't contribute as a faculty member, uh, as a director of a data science program. You're an individual when you contribute. Uh, making that mindset is, is kind of an interesting move for uh, some faculty and individuals as well. Yeah, it, it's, it's funny that the sort of the number of times as we've been talking, uh, you know, both both in in the, this episode and and the previous one, the number of times that we we talk about things that are actually not really, you know, things linked to academia or training or anything like that, but are actually just open source challenges. You know, things like knowing who's using your software. It's incredibly difficult for, for you know, whether it's an open source project, a you know, software project, or, you know, it's your experience as, you know, some, you know, training material, um, it, it, education material. It's, uh, you know, getting people to contribute, building a community. Like these are all reasonably standard and still very tough to crack. Um, you know, open source challenges the world over. So it's in, in the one way, I would say the fact that you are having these conversations and thinking about these is a really good thing because it means that you're, you're following for better or for worse, you know, things like the the frequency of updates, you know, how do you, you know, keep keep the, con the, the material 
current and up to date and all these kind of things like the fact that you're thinking about them for better or for worse means that it sounds like you're uh, very much approaching this in the true the true spirit of open source which uh, i certainly appreciate yeah definitely so it's first and foremost is an open education project run as an open source software project and we're trying to stay true to the uh, direction we've chosen at the beginning. Maybe in a couple of years, we'll decide that we could have done it better. Maybe if we set up a specialized website um, and did it that way, it would have been easier. But um, it's, it's I think, groundbreaking stuff we're trying here and we'll, we're learning a yeah. lot. So for me as an individual, I'm learning a lot about community building, open source, the mindset of people uh, contributing and what is acceptable and not working with the Linux Foundation as well, working with universities, trying to bridge the gap between industry and academia at the same time. So it's a, it's a challenging environment. Uh, good yeah, to hear you're not being suffering. You're not suffering from paral analysis paralysis. Just this stuff. <laughs> you need to do this stuff and see where it lands and exactly. iterate on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I feel like we've we've hit so many different areas, but uh, uh, you know our research, I'm sure, is not a hundred percent complete. Like, is there anything else that you'd like to mention around OpenDS for all? Anything else that we've missed? Uh, no, I, I think we've touched on most of the points. If I can just kind of use this as a plug for OpenDS for All, uh, we would Definitely. welcome contributions, faculty, individuals from industry uh, to OpenDS for All. Um, there's, there's so much going on in, in data science that um, doesn't matter on what topic you work and your level of expertise. I think there's an opening. Uh, we uh, were very strict at the beginning on accepting contributions, but now we've kind of opened it up to make it easier for people to contribute. So for instance, as we already touched on translating a module to a different language, uh, translating a Python module into R, uh, doing a workshop based on the content. So these are all opportunities for contributing uh, to OpenDS for all, and we welcome that. And uh, these, um, Linux Foundation credly badges that we have. Uh, it's very attractive if you've never earned a badge, especially for uh, graduate students. We recently worked with two students from Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, and they are senior undergraduate students in the final year. And I asked them, have you guys, do you guys have any badges, any acclaimed badges? No? Right. Do a great <laughs> job working on this project, and I'll give you a badge, and you can flash it under the nose of your fellow mates and uh, professors, and you've got a, a claim credly badge, which uh, hopefully when you apply for a job, it shows you've worked on an open source software project in education, you know a little bit about data science, and that gives you a leg up on the other applicants. Yeah, yeah showing experience always trumps just exactly. knowledge. Yeah. yeah. But thanks so much. Thanks it was so a pleasure much. talking to you guys. Yeah, absolute, uh, absolute pleasure talking to you, Andre. I, I wish uh, both you and uh, OpenDS for all uh, huge success. And uh, you know, hope, who knows? Hopefully, we'll get a chance to catch up with you a year from now and and see uh, what interesting avenues the project has taken. Sounds like a great idea to me. Thanks so much. All, all right, have you back. Well, thank you. Once again, Andre. Thanks so much for your time, and uh, look forward to speaking again soon. Good. And that wraps up our two-parter 
working with uh, Andre here, talking about data science for all, DS for all. Uh, it's a fantastic project. If you're looking to, whether you're an academic organization looking to start off a, a data science program, or you're an enterprise organization looking for some honestly incredibly strong um, training resources to uh, kickstart maybe a retraining or education project internally, or you're just looking to grow your your data science practice. Like it's a, it's a great project. I thoroughly recommend that uh, people take a look at it. And unless there's anything else from you, Jan. No, just want to mention we have some links in the show notes for people that want to get in, into the action with this. And uh, with that, you can take it away. All right. Well, that is then all the time we have today. You can support this podcast by becoming a Patreon. Every contribution really does help us. Uh, we're also on YouTube where you can like, you can comment, you can subscribe, and uh, you can hit the notification bell to get every single uh, new episode notified in your YouTube stream. Do all the YouTube things. Please go to www.roaringelephant.org for a link to our Patreon page and for more information about the podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter using the at Roaring Elephant tag, and you can send your feedback to podcast at roaringelephant.org. Until next time, my name is finally happy with education and academia, Dave. And my name is I welcome our data science educated overlords, Bill. We look forward to talking to you next week. Goodbye. Cheers.